0: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker fan sports show with Dave, Honky,
2: Mac, and Boomer. Today, back from the Nebraska Football Coaches Clinic.
3: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky.
0: I want to congratulate UCLA basketball and their new head coach at Always works out to get the fifth guy
3: you wanted. (laughs) That's true. I'm also with Mac.
2: What's up, Redcasters? Um, Just want to say it is spring game week. Of course, nobody else in the country even talks that way, but we do. Because it is spring game week, man. We actually have a game to watch at the end of this week. I'm super excited.
3: Yeah, I saw the Florida State spring game this last weekend. and There's no one there, so... Just don't get it, guys. I just don't get it. I'm also with Boomer.
1: Well, here's hoping that uh, Hoiberg brings a little better luck to Nebraska ball than he does the uh,
3: baseball team. So uh, maybe I won't avoid that first pitch ever again. Uh, Yeah, uh, baseball team did not do well here against Creighton. Midweek game lost ten to two. We'll maybe touch on that a little bit later in the show. But it is coaches' clinic show, guys. Uh, Honky and Mac were able to attend the coaches' clinic. Uh, this last weekend and uh, honky why don't you just kind of start us off with a little bit of an overview
0: yeah it was uh another great coaches clinic uh for mac and i, I it's i counted up that's my 17th in a row oh. i started with the uh soliches last year i think you, yeah
2: that's a baker's dozen for me <laughs> <laughs> I was say,
0: you started i think the year after me if yeah. i remember right yeah. but um so, I mean, we've been doing a podcast for two years, but we've been going to this thing for many more than that. And uh, yeah. we don't go there as podcast guys. We go there as coaches. And, and it was a great chance yeah. to to watch practice again, to, to hear Frost talk. They kind of mixed up the schedule a little bit this year. Yeah. Briefly kind of go over a, a typical year schedule, whether it was Solich or Riley or Pelini. The head coach comes out for 10 minutes. He does a very basic introduction of, here's my assistant coaches. You never see the guy again. And then somewhere on the second day, Uh, You watch practice. Oh, and there's delicious pork chops at the end of the first day. That's the schedule every year. It's a great day. It's a great day. This year, they started it differently. The first thing we did before you ever heard a coach speak was we had practice uh, in the stadium on Friday morning. It was awesome. Got the practice in at 8 o'clock. Right after that was pork chop lunch, not pork chop dinner. Always a winner. uh, Turns
2: out the time slot isn't important. (laughs) (laughs) It's the pork chops. We talked to
0: two... (laughs) Really interesting guys that were uh, high school coaches in South Dakota coaching nine-man football, of all things. I'd never even heard of that.
3: Is that one better than eight-man football? Yeah,
0: it's it's eight-man plus one extra back, I guess. I had to ask him that. And then after that, Frost came out, and this guy, for two straight years, Frost has done something different than all the other head coaches, and, and he walks the walk. He says, get involved as a coach. He comes to the coach's clinic, and he talks for an hour. Just the fact that he puts that much kind of time and dedication into it, it it's really worth it. And then... After he got done, Bill Snyder, the, the K-State legend, he came out there and spoke. And then they broke into groups. And, and then at night, they had uh, kind of a social down in the Haymarket. And we were able to to go and talk with Greg Austin and Eric Shenander. And so it was just kind of a, it was a really cool day. It's a great yeah. weekend. This coaching staff, we said it last year about the, the clinic last season. We'll say it again. They're so open. They're so welcoming to these high school coaches and stay in the state of Nebraska and around. And, and they just do an absolutely excellent job.
3: Honky, it seems like the coaches' clinic, as you mentioned, have been going on for decades now and through multiple coaching regimes. Do you see the attendance increasing? It seems like this is a really great opportunity for a lot of high school coaches, both in Nebraska and neighboring states, to come in and learn from some of the best minds uh, around. So is the attendance
2: up? Yeah, it was kind of difficult to gauge at first because – uh, we had practice at Memorial Stadium, and usually when we do practice, it's at the uh, at the Hawks, so you're just a little more congested in there. So and my eyeball test was I thought the numbers were probably about the same. Turns out it was attended by about 600 coaches is what I heard, which is on the high side of coaches clinics, certainly higher than any of Riley's, um, mm-hmm. probably on par with what it was last year, but a pretty good number. I would say to hear, the, I think it was Nate Klaus talking about it, I'm not positive, but that's like say, plenty average say four hundred, so up two hundred coaches, yeah. which is quite a bit the way that Frost does interact with the coaches, like oh. like he has a q and a period afterward that is completely underutilized in my opinion, but to make himself available to that and then gives really good knowledge about stuff, it really will become a coach that's going kind of, you can learn stuff from mm-hmm. I think this could grow if they wanted to, I think it could mm-hmm.
3: yeah, hopefully we see that filter down in high school ranks and should be interesting to, to see how that plays out over the next several years. Well, Honky, you mentioned uh, there's a little different schedule this time around with practice as the first thing you did. So do you want to maybe dive a little bit into that?
0: Sure. Yeah, we got there. It was about 730 and practice is supposed to start at 830, but they have what they call a pre-practice and a zero period that really technically starts at 8. The first thing that Mac and I kind of paid attention to was the fact that by about 7.45, 7.50 in the morning, that field was mostly filled with players at that point. You want to talk about coming ready to practice, part of it's being there early. And I can remember as a football player, Mac and I were talking about it when we were back in high school days. I mean, nobody wants to get to practice early. Nobody wanted to be the first guy, right? And here these guys are out there. And what they're doing in those pre-practice and that zero period time They are doing essentially warm-ups. They're doing all of these reps before they ever even start practice. That's
2: that's their active warm-up. I mean, that's how they mm -hmm. do it. They integrate all their football movements, the meshing point, the throws, the routes, the catching. You know, different type of throwing positions for the quarterbacks. It's all movement. Everything is intentional. You know, everybody gets a catch. Everybody has to go run a route. Everybody has to, you know you know, fake a handoff and run through. And I mean, and it's just kind of going at this sort of flea circus pace. You know, it's like there's there's a part over here moving. And there's another part over here doing it. You know, sometimes the team's going as one, but lots of times it's just pieces parts kind of moving at once. It's mm-hmm. kind of cool.
0: When we saw last year's practice, it felt to me, I remember saying at the time, like, this is the fastest practice I've ever seen a year ago. I thought it was the best practice I'd ever seen. And I know if you asked Frost, he would have said it's one of the worst, right? This one felt slower. This one, there, you could tell there was more learning and stuff going on. It wasn't, it didn't feel like it had that same pace, but then all of a sudden when they, it was like full contact, some, 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 you know, five-minute scrimmage periods, it got intense at times. It flat out got chippy at times. We saw like Tony Villan, former Husker, standing on the sideline, I think with Ron Brown watching it. What was going through my head as I'm watching that is I could see those guys, anybody that would have been playing at that time, looking at that practice and going, yep, this is starting to look the way that we used to practice. There's a competition. They're competing for everything. When the offense made a big play, they'd let the defense know it. When the defense made a big play, they let the offense know it. And they hated it when the other side got the best of them. And all I could think of is that sounds a whole hell of a lot like the Aaron Taylors and the Jason Peters and all those guys back in the day going against each other and they hated the other side of their team during practice. Everything's turned into a team building learning opportunity for the team. And it was just a different type of practice that way. A
2: lot of guys are chirping, but in positive ways, and in in like ways that are. I mean, it's crazy how quickly they mimic their coaches, but they really are. Mm-hmm.
0: And Coach Frost talked about that when he did his hour long talk. Is is that teams take on the personalities of the yeah, head he coach, did say that. you know, and they they take on the personality of the coach, they take on the persona of the coaching staff. And this they staff, take on the calves of their
2: head coach.
0: <laughs> but they the team, you can just see the team building piece of it. it it's just it, it's so impressive to see I can understand how UCF in year two can make such a big jump, because not just physically and maybe this is the next step, these guys physically look different, but mentally, I think all the baggage is gone. Damian Jackson, who maybe isn't a guy who's going to play a lot on the field, but Damian Jackson, you can see the value he brought to every drill as a leader. Mo Berry is that leader. But then Mo Berry on that one play, yeah. if you remember, Mo Berry, you know, didn't make a play on one, and he had uh, Boodle come up to him and, and
2: kind of was in his ear and, yeah, and telling him, him on, to they, get tell him to get going. They it's, got him on tempo. They were running a tempo drill, and, the, and Mo Berry was kind of worn out. And the final, the matchup was Miles Jones-Mo and I mean, that's not exactly a fair matchup. I don't care when it happens, but then Mo Berry was gassed. And uh, anyway, he got beat on it, but like DiCaprio Poodle didn't even give him a break. On it. He just comes up and goes, "That's laziness. That's lazy."
3: <laughs> and, and it's
2: and to to uh, to Barry's credit, though, he just like kind of shook his head, yeah, and like and you know, you know, tried to get her going. So it doesn't matter if you're Mo Barry, who is going to be awesome this year
0: he's going to be a great leader but it doesn't matter if you're Mo Berry or if you're the redshirt freshman everyone needs to be held accountable if they're not making a play right we went to one practice I mean we don't know everything about the team and we'd be absolutely lying if we said you know sat here and said we did because of one practice we We don't don't know anything about the running backs (laughs) (laughs) but what we saw is incredible gains from a year ago in in terms of that culture getting built within the team that was probably my biggest takeaway more than any physical gain of one player or not but believe me there's physical gains
3: and now scoring explosion the offensive breakdown and let's uh dive into the quarterbacks this is uh not anything like last year where there's a Actual competition. I uh, imagine Adrian Martinez looks looks great out there. But anything else from the QB position, you guys want to comment on?
2: Yeah, what a difference a year makes in a quarterback room. It's just crazy the situation we were in last year to what we are now. Uh, Adrian cl- clearly is the man. That is not a news flash. There's nothing to that. The, the thing that was interesting to me. The way they handled it, the, that practice, this, I felt like this whole practice was one of those breakout, slowdown, teaching session practices. And as a result of that, Luke McCaffrey just got a ton of run with the seconds. He was, he ran, he had the primary amount of reps that day from what we could see. He is explosive. He's legitimately fast and he's legitimately big. You know, some people, myself, I kind of had him in a vision of a, a bit of a Jebbia coming right. in body frame-wise. Yeah. You know, maybe just a little bigger, but, but he's con- he's significantly bigger. I, I bet he's bigger than Jebbia now, a third year so. You know, he got picked off a little bit here and there. He's still learning the offense, you know. I love what he's doing, but it's like Adrian, and then there's a – there's that whole Heisman drop off, and then and there's the next guys. But but those guys are efficient, you know. They're and they're slinging it around. I tell you what, they all seem to know where to go with the ball. As far as the backup goes, it really felt like McCaffrey probably struggled the most that day, passing wise, but needed the most help. Um, but the guys behind him did a really good job. Martinez, we just didn't really see a whole lot of him to be honest. Not in the scrimmage
0: scenarios, at least, because it looked like they were very intentionally trying to get reps specifically that day to McCaffrey. Now, maybe if it had been another practice another day, maybe those reps would have been going to Vedral or, or to Bunch. Yeah, I, don't, I don't I don't think know. there's
2: anything to be made out of that, what yeah. we just said. I mean, that's not an indicator who our top backup is. That's not what I think at all. Mm-hmm. It just felt like this was a day they had chosen to focus yes. on McCaffrey. Yeah,
0: McCaffrey, because he was taking the, the bulk of a lot of reps from the even the zero period yeah. on it felt yeah. like but yeah i agree with Mac's assessment of, of what mccaffrey looks like i think he's a kid that could certainly play this year if he if he has to and if nothing else i think we'll see four games out of him with the with the redshirt rule i do want to mention martinez just physically looked markedly bigger and he looks good to go going over to the running backs you know there's been a lot of talk about running backs in that room this this uh, spring and not having mo washington available and not having you know, some of the guys, Dedrick Mills, here yet. But to be honest, I wasn't going to bring it up because I, I hadn't read it anywhere. And then I saw that they were announcing that Moses Bryant was at running back. So I will say it then. He was playing running oh, back that day. Oh,
2: gosh, I'm glad you said it because I was going to announce it.
0: Well, the, our thing is we don't want to break news that isn't broke, right? But I once I read it, it's like, okay, well, then they've, they've stated it. So anyways, Bryant was playing um, running back, and he, he did a good job out there. I mean, for the snaps he was getting, Bradley played it. Uh, Missouri played it. And then the guy that really, he just seemed to always have his hands on the ball somewhere, whether it was catching or running, it was miles Jones. He was very actively yeah, involved at the running which back was spot. Awesome. It's the, it's what we've talked about all along with the duck R, which we of course are calling the Husk R. So hashtag, Husker. Husk, hashtag husk R. The Husqvar position. It'll catch on someday. The guys that are like the Maurice Washingtons, Miles Jones, J.D. Spielmans, Wondell Robinsons, those are guys that we could see playing as much in the backfields as, as receivers. And then there's some guys that just fit into pure receiver roles, and there are some guys I'm just going to, as an example, I'll say Dedrick Mills
2: or Oziegbo would have been kind of a traditional running back. Right. Of all the position groups on offense, though, it's completely the most incomplete, right? Correct. Like nobody's going to come in on the wide receivers group and make that much of an impact from here. Everybody's knowledge of their own role has gotten so much to the point that it's pretty smooth back there. I mean, they might not be as explosive as they would be with some of these other players coming in, but it's serviceable. You know, the the offense is clicking, and and you know it, a lot of it depends on what the defense gives you anyway, as where you're going to go with the ball. So I mean, they're getting work done, they're getting reps in, you know, and that's that's what's important for spring. Yeah. Receiver-wise, honestly, where our eyes
0: focused a lot towards was the tight ends, partially because they were right in front of us. That was the position group right in front of us. But, you know, there's a lot of talk about how we don't have some height at the receiver spot. But but when you look at the tight ends, and those guys are going to be heavily involved, you know, Raftel and Allen, I mean, they're the twin towers and all that. Stoll is the real deal. I, I mean, I saw him at field level outrun a, a reserve linebacker who was doing a one-on-one drill with them, and he looked so fast. Stole it. I was really impressed, but the other guy is, is Legrone, uh-huh. and he just physically has a different makeup than the, than the other group. He's not as tall and everything, but but he has rebuilt his body, reshaped it from what he looked like against Bethune Cookman, one of the only yeah. times I saw him on the field last year, and he looks the part. Now you know can you put it all together? But we saw him run some drills. Good hands. He could be a real player for us this year.
2: Yeah, I, I, the wide receiver position. From hearing the coaches speak, they really like Andre Hunt, and they've talked about Woodyard being very consistent. Just to my eye, yeah. that day, I just didn't see much out of the wide receiver. Spielman was gone. My eye just wasn't drawn to it so much. So I, it's hard uh, for me to really com- you know to comment on it. I was kind of like you though. I was looking at the at that tight end position as a, a real position of strength and something that's definitely going to be you know more targeted as we go forward as Adrian grows and matures as a. As a quarterback or just a signal caller, I think that's that one's natural. I think that one's coming yeah. for sure.
0: Mike Williams had a series where he had about two or three plays in a row. He made a couple catches. Woodyard had a had kind of a deep catch. I think um oh
2: Warner had mm-hmm. Cade Warner had a
0: touchdown catch.
2: And this all of the hands in, catches too. Well, we brought that up too. That's like very few balls got into the body on anybody, and that's across the board. Running backs too. Yep. Everybody's catching with the triangle, just like. I mean, they repped that and rep that and rep that, saw a lot of hands catches. I didn't see too many balls dropped. Yep. It's, it's just really impressive that the fundamentals of the
0: team, you talked about when we, when we did that crossover show with the Husker Fan Podcast, mm. you mentioned how when there was a problem with the team, one of the things that impressed you most with Frost was that in, in previous years, if we had a problem, it just festered. And last year, we had a lot of problems early on, but it just seemed like every problem they'd address it, and by the time they addressed it it was fixed and then the, then the next problem would pop up they'd have to fix it the next one and kind of by midseason you stopped having new problems pop up well one of the problems that we've had over the years were drops go back to the Colorado game yeah, and we we'll right. win that game if I think it was Spielman made a big drop at the very end of it and these these are these are some of our best players and I I'll take Spielman over anybody right I don't but those drops hurt us at times and when you start to see things like the fundamentals in, in a practice like this, where you are catching that ball with your hand, I know we've spent five minutes talking about it now, but I can't help it. That's a pretty important thing. The fundamentals of catching that ball with your hand and then bringing it in, especially if you're going to be a passing offense of any kind, is pretty important.
2: Well, the other side of that, too, with, with the quarterbacks getting that many reps, the way they're leading them on bubble screens is perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, a little bit forward, a little bit to the outside. They're not having to turn around and spin to catch that because yep. the timing and momentum of that play is so important. Like Adrian is flicking that play out so quick. I mean, his release has gotten so strong and fast, and like the ball is just right out in front of him. So even if the defender makes a jump on it, you still get two yards. I mean, it's it's it, they're looking a lot more like mechanical, but in this way, in the in a good way. You know, it's very very efficient.
3: Yeah. Hockey, you mentioned Jack Stoll. You wanted to talk more about him?
0: I just think that he is a guy that kind of is an all-around tight end. He's not the 6-8 guy like Allen and Raftel, and he's not built quite like Legrone is, but he's a, a really good mixture of all those guys. Built-wise, he's just got a really good frame right now. He's, he's the
2: most big 10 of our tight ends. Yeah.
0: And his speed, like being at field level, watching him run, because when he was doing some of the drills and we were, we were up in North Stadium at that time, I don't think I fully appreciate it. Plus his drills, he was doing like 10-yard curls. So, I mean, he wasn't really going, you know, full speed out for a long distance. But I'm on, I am on. I walked down, Mac, you were still back there, but I walked down and, and was at field level, and I see him run and do like about a 40-yard uh, fly route on a one-on-one drill. And he was very impressive with the speed. Mm-hmm. And then on top of all that, great hands. Hand catches the ball, brings it in, fully secures it. Best mullet on the team. <laughs> great mullet. Garrett uh,
2: Nelson's giving him
0: a run. Oh, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. Garrett Nelson does have it going too. But I, just, I think Stoll is a guy that he had a really good season last year, kind of a breakthrough season, and I think that he is a great target that Martinez is going to want to hit a lot next year.
3: All right, great stuff, guys, great stuff. Anybody else that you – Wanted to mention wide receiver, running back, tight end?
0: Probably not so much back there. I guess the next thing is the O-line.
3: Absolutely, that's where I was going. Honky, take it away.
0: I'm just going to talk the physical side of this, how they physically look. I can remember Larry Smith of Missouri, the former Missouri coach back in the 90s, talked about how, gosh, Nebraska gets off the bus and, and it didn't matter if they were first, second, or third string offense alignment. They all look the same. Now, they might be totally different quality, But first, second, and third string, they all physically look the same. I would say that we're starting to get closer to that. At least definitely first and second string. Third string line, maybe we're getting there a little bit more. And, you know, next year we'll be that much further. But the the physical look of these guys is starting to get a lot better. Freshmen stand out. You know, yeah. like
2: there's just I mean, it's there was, one, there was
0: one or two guys that are like, you know, red shirt freshman walk on guys that yeah. look kind of skinny. And they really stood out yeah. for looking skinny because the rest of the group, I would say probably about 12 or 13 deep. There were dudes and some of them, a couple of guys, the, the name on the back, I didn't really know very well. Yeah. And they still looked pretty impressive physically. I mean, so you can tell that they're putting the work in and these guys are in that six, three to six, six kind of mold for the most part. Low and
2: gut. Thicker oh. arms kind of ratio. Oh,
0: there's almost no guts. Yeah, it's kind of Almost crazy. no guts. I, the tackles, uh, Hymas and, and Farniak, I mean, the, they definitely look like the, the leaders
2: of it. Farniak certainly looked like the leader. Farniak's I definitely, definitely one of those guys we talked about oh. taking a leadership role.
0: Yeah, there's been talk of him maybe playing guard or tackle, or whatever. For what it's worth, there was a player or two where he did line up at some guard. But you know what? For the most part, I saw a tackle out there, and he's doesn't matter what position it, he is. He's going to he's gonna be the leader of that line. Yeah,
2: it's always going to be with the line the best five. That's just yeah. whoever that ends up being is just going to be the best five.
0: And that's uh, – Hymas and Farniak were, were tackles. Wilson was at right guard a lot. Hickson was playing a lot of left guard. Yep. And for what it's worth, I wouldn't read too much into this, but Juergens was playing a lot center right away. But so was Will Farniak. Uh, Forbes was getting some snaps. And then also Hunter Miller – Looked like he was getting some snaps too at center. So there's a combination at that center spot. That I think that, that center spot's a work in progress. That
2: center spot is the one that's a concern. And I mean, I'm not gonna again not gonna make too much of this in spring, but obviously we knew anyway that was going to be an issue. But the snaps were kind of all over the place. That's that's beyond what their assignments more, may have been, more, than, the more than more than more than one center. There was oh yeah snaps yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah for sure.
0: And and that, those are things that you know again. Let's go back to what we talked about with Frost. Last year, when there was an issue, it gets addressed. You know they know this. If there's but- a
2: problem, yo, I solve it. That's what he says. <laughs> Check out the hook on my DJ Ruffles. I'm
0: I'm fairly certain that there's nothing that we could see in one practice that the staff hasn't you know talked about and discussed a thousand times over, and, and has a much better you know view of it than what we do. That center position to me is still one
2: that's it's in flux. They're they're working on it. Jergens in person though, oh, looks he- even more like a center than he did. I mean, he this kid I- is just growing. The physical look of the the
0: line, though, I mean, even like Miller, who wasn't, and Sichterman, and Gaylord, and Bando, these guys that were on yeah. the second line, these dudes physically have that appearance of starters. They look the part. There's also a really cool way of how they, um, from a coaching standpoint, how they would bring Verducci in. And Verducci is like the offensive analyst, assistant analyst, but he was the, the he was the O yeah. coordinator at UConn under Diaco. I mean, this guy has a ton of experience. And they would split up to, to double the reps. They would take left tackle, left guard, and center and kind of go two deep. And Austin would take that side. And then Verducci would take center, right guard, and right tackle. And so that would be a different group. And they'd go about two deep. So each of them had maybe about you know seven or eight linemen with them. And they were doing double the reps. And that was a way from a station standpoint how they would just rep it and rep it and rep it. There was never chances for guys to be on a knee and have the helmet off and none of the kind of the Callahan-Riley era, you know, practice – you know, techniques that we would have seen. There was constantly guys getting reps.
3: So Boomer, I'm going to ask you to ask a question here. So just giving you a heads up, but I'll start though. So we're going to act as like the uh, the fans here since you guys have been talking for, for so much. Uh, you mentioned the center position as a, a potential concern. So maybe take that one off the board. But through what you saw on the offensive side of the ball, could you name that, that one thing that you really do still have a little bit of, you know, a, a, a question mark you have coming out of the coach's clinic that you're looking forward to the spring game maybe, or just moving to to fall that you'd like to see answered.
2: I do. And it's a little bit, I almost hate to whisper it into existence, but with, with Wandel being hamstring, I keep hearing hamstring with him and then JD Spielman, not making it through spring. And, and those two guys I view as being very important to making this offense go next year. And I just, I, I get a little worried about, guys who have a little bit of injury history hearing about it this early in spring. Now I know you, you you take it easy in spring and you, and you're cautious with your, with your stars, but that, I don't know. I just hate hearing that. I'd like to hear him had a great spring gone all the way through it, you know, much like Maurice.
3: Yeah. Uh, I hear you. Bothersome. Boomer, you have uh, anything that you want to ask these guys? Oh, I'm sure we can. Uh,
1: two-parter. Uh, first off, which, uh, offensive walk-on do you think will have the biggest impact you know going forward here that from what you were able to see and second question how did they season the pork chops <laughs>
2: <laughs> is hickson a walk-on yeah hickson would then be probably hickson yeah. for me yeah
3: he's gonna start you think right guys everybody's saying that
2: gotta be top six
3: he
0: looks the part and and for what it's worth they had him basically at left guard with the what was the starting lineup uh during most of these drills so I would say That's he's great. he's right up there. He's a physical bruiser kind of dude. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would certainly have him right in the mix. Bunch to me showed every bit as well as Bedril does, and and I don't know that I see a huge difference at times between even Bunch and McCaffrey. McCaffrey has a little bit different legs. I mean, he yeah, you know, a lot of it. Different but dude. but <laughs> he's, he's a lot different. <laughs> but Bunch. But Bunch has a real good command of the offense. And and so like McCaffrey a lot for of times sure. we would see his legs take off because maybe He's maybe, quick to run. He's quick Yeah, to mayb- run maybe run. he should have thrown the ball, right? And and you know, he's not seeing something as fast so he takes off and runs. I don't blame him for running. He's got incredible speed. Yep. Might be the fastest running back or quarterback on the team. I don't I don't know. It'd be interesting to see McCaffrey and, and Martinez in, you know, just a forty yard dash with each other.
2: He could be. I mean I wouldn't. Do you be expect surprised.
1: Bunch to be the number two quarterback?
0: yeah you know that doesn't really matter to me because you know you you call somebody number two until the number one gets hurt, and then all of a sudden number two is the guy that you really want. I was the number two center on our football team in high school, and then the center got hurt, and all of a sudden the, the real number two center became number two, and i was I was still number two so and I'm pretty sure if that guy would have got hurt, I still would have been number two center I was the the Hey, if hey, is, is you're too yeah. deep, you
2: get to travel. That's all you got to be, man. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, so That's I guess... I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think... Probably Vedro would be the second guy coming in in a game where we're leading and we're blowing somebody out. I think Vedro would probably be the number two dude, but I also think that they'll do everything they can to get McCaffrey four games under the NCAA rule. And because we're going to be winning some games and blowing some teams out and all that, I mean, I hope he'll have plenty of chances that way.
3: And we could see all four of them, to your point, Honk, then at various parts of the season. It's time to throw the bones. Let's uh, start with the defensive line in the trenches what did you see at the coaches clinic with those guys
0: i saw a group that looks completely physically transformed from a year ago and that's for multiple reasons some of it's just you know the second year of the Duvall effect the war daddy up movement but part of it too is bringing in new dudes like darian daniels flat out looks like he's 30 i mean he. <laughs> oh we don't have another guy that physically looks like him he he just looks he yeah. absolutely looks the part the davis twins look the part DeAndre thomas looks apart ben stilley has the aura and the physique of a wistrom now i'm not saying he can play like wistrom yet he has to prove that but just the physical makeup of like him
2: thomas to me he's like even oh. thicker like
0: yeah, he just he has a little bit of a height that yeah. reminds me of Wishram to to, um, to go with it. But
2: hockey to your point, I
3: mean, obviously the second year of the Duvall movement, but these guys are upperclassmen now, obviously, right? Fourth, fifth year seniors that that helps out too. That's right? a good
0: point too. I mean, it's that combination of being third and fourth and fifth year guys and and lifting the way that they're lifting now. Uh, they're getting there, but it wasn't even just those dudes. The Tate Wildermans and Casey Rogers and Brant Banks—the guys that have been yeah. there a year or yeah. less—they give you a glimpse into what the D line could look like three or four years from now. Which was tall. There was height. Yeah. They were—they were really big guys, and they're, they're still young in their development. But like, you can see their body starting to fill out at a six-six and higher they're frame. Gonna be,
2: they're going to be—they're big, going to be big, be big, big. Boys. I mean,
0: they're all—they already look pretty Wilderman. Well, all three of them—Wilderman, no, Rogers, big. and Banks—they yeah. already look big, but they just—they have a little bit more height. They're a little. They're a little longer, and it'll just be interesting to see what they look like, you know, two years from now. But but the dudes that we have right now—I mean, clearly to me, the top six—you've got the both Davises, both Daniels, DeAndre Thomas, and Stilly. Those six dudes look like they can play on any D line anywhere. They had a, a first team come out and a second team come out. I mean, for what it well here, for what it's worth, the Davis twins weren't on the first one. And I know those guys will play, you know, a lot. So right. it doesn't sure. matter to me what their rotation was. They've got six guys I think that they're absolutely interchangeable with. And those dudes all look the part mm-hmm. physically big. Now here, let me try to give some kind of pros and cons. I guess the pros was everything we just said. The con would be I still don't know if I see pass rush necessarily out of those front three, or I don't know who would be the best pass rusher, pure rush. I don't know. Uh. know, Do you have to bring rush from blitzers, from from linebackers, or can you get enough rush just from those three? I I don't know yet. I didn't see enough of that. But I know that we will be extremely stout against the run. I don't care if you're Wisconsin. I don't care if you're Iowa. What we saw against Iowa in the last game of the year where we were routinely getting blown off the ball five yards – That is not happening this year. So Iowa and those teams that had that success against us doing that – you're gonna to have to find something else to have success against us with.
2: Well, that's that's music to my ears, Mac. Just to echo what Honk said on the line, they all do kind of resemble the same, uh, except that they are growing longer. I'm just kind of curious what the end all vision of this defense is gonna be. Like, what are our prototype guys gonna look like, I and mean, what kind of defense are we gonna have? Because it seems like six six is gonna become the normal <laughs> on the defensive line, like all the way across, and then linebackers seem to be six four and above. And our corners and safeties seem to be 6'3 to 6'2. That's,
3: that's a good, uh, line of thought there, Mac. What I was gonna ask you was, is, it, we, we've just talked about Tate Wilderman and Casey Rogers and Brett they are all like six 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 seven, and that's the new look, right? And that'll be the next generation coming up, opposed to the, the Davis twins or the Daniels brothers who are physically there, like, you know, but they're a little bit shorter, right? They're, mm-hmm. How do you see that translating as a, a different defensive? I don't know the the performance or the style of, of line play that you would expect those couple inches give us. What, what how will those how will this evolve from this year's team, which the defensive line sounds like it might be much better? Honky just said he doesn't think I well, Wisconsin is going to push us over. But what does that translate to in year three or four when you suddenly have the same guys under Duvall now for three or four years that are six six or six seven opposed to six two or six, three
2: or six, four. I I think Chenander's spoken about this before and he talks about that length being one of the number one bonuses of length is it, it makes it so much harder to get the outside angle on you and pin that back, especially as you can stand up and have, you know, seven foot of coverage between you and the next guy. And you've got that across your, your whole defensive line. So when they're trying to set that edge to spill back for like, say cutback lanes or whatever, you become very difficult to deal that with. And then it's hard for, the offensive line to scrape off and get to your linebackers so that frees them up to make plays around the board so I guess ideally it makes us very hard sideline to sideline at the same time providing some stoutness up the middle you know yeah. and by being just big so
3: do you feel like that could be a potential weakness I guess still with this year's team if they don't have quite that uh, wingspan right now
2: well certainly yeah actually kind of I do especially with the lack of a pass rusher to, to kind of to bring his own kind of thing at the edge too so yeah I mean it is a concern and you know we'll see how they kind of play it I mean it's not like the Davis boys are super super short but I mean it seems like they were like six four guys which in my mind I still think that's a big dude but it just seems like all of a sudden that's a your that's your basement inches, is like, six yeah. four and like six yeah. twos is just like who are you kidding me
0: when I think of a couple of teams in the Big Ten West I think of Iowa and Wisconsin, a little bit of a mixture of the two. When you look at Iowa, and you'd have guys like Nelson and, and Espinosa, and you're looking yeah, they're six seven. six 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 seven. I think Nelson was like damn near six eight, right? So big, tall dudes. Espinosa
2: and, and Iowa is an aberration. Well,
0: but but my point is that style, you know, that style and that size of guy. No, right. And then in Wisconsin in a three four, the nose tackle they'd have was that three hundred thirty pound. Was he from Samoa or something last year? The guy that they had there, the nose tackle, huge dude. Right. I think that this defense is always gonna need a nose tackle like that. So I mean, you know
2: I, I think so. whether I mean, whether
0: you're six seven or six three, I don't really care at that one specific position. We need a couple of guys that can just absolutely dominate the center of that that field. And right now that's those Daniels brothers. Both of those two I think can absolutely dominate that inside. DeAndre Thomas to me, that kid is already the future mold of what of what a, a DN could look like. I don't know what is though. Yeah, I don't know. No, he's a little taller than six two, isn't he? Six two. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'd have to look that up, I guess, a little bit. I thought he was a little taller than that, but he
2: going on the record of six two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but anyways, I mean we're we're getting nitpicky about inches here, but that D line, there's the physical makeup of those those top six guys, those dudes, they can just flat out play. They could play anywhere. It actually we've talked so much about what a, a Big Ten defensive line looks like. That to me, they look like an SEC defensive line. Oh, that, wow. that front six looks so, SEC,
3: and, and that and you're saying that that top six: Daniels brothers, Davis twins, Stilly, DeAndre Thomas, and Thomas. Okay,
0: yeah those those six look like they
2: interchangeable. They look like they could be on any team in the country, and they'll all get tons and tons of reps. You know, they're going to get. I mean, throughout the season, well, and they'll they'll run them like different lines you know what i mean yeah, like and they talked they
0: talked like. about with damien daniels how just physically i mean i think the guy's in as good a shape as damien's in <laughs> but like he can go hard for about three or four plays and then it's you know it's
3: yeah it's all he has yeah just not his makeup right Yeah, yeah. someone has to
0: go in for him well we have that right now i mean just rotate rotate and when you're out there those three guys give 100 percent. when you move to the next line when you get into the to linebacking if we start i guess at the outside the number one guy that should be off the bus every single game we go to should be Alex Davis. Physique wise, yeah. holy smokes! I hope the guy can play because he
3: now how, how big of a transformation has that been in two years, right? Just from a physique standpoint, oh, he just he, looks—he absolutely
0: yeah, he looks the part. Like the, he looks like you should make a make a statue, you know, of him. I mean, he just physically has that—that that the mm-hmm. physique is there. I like the physique. If I have not been clear enough with that, is what I'm getting at. Physique has been kind of your PJ Fleck, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you so got a good physique. He's worked on his physique. He's got muscular tone, and uh, yeah. I can't do PJ so, like I you can mean, do PJ I, Mac. I don't. I got to
2: work on PJ.
3: So uh, Alex Davis, first off the bus. What, what about the rest of the outside linebacker crew? Well, there? the
0: next off the bus behind him then. Uh, yeah, you you know we had Doman. Clearly he's playing outside backer there. Ferguson is, is a guy too. I mean, those three, they looked most of the part there. Uh, Tanner was out that day. Uh, Breon mm. Dixon, for what it's worth, and I, I like Breon, and I want Breon to be an All-American player first. I absolutely do. He does look different. Than the rest of that that outside linebacking core, he doesn't have some of the height and some of the size. I don't want to read too much into one practice. I, in fact, I want to really watch Breon in the spring game. I want to see how he does out there because there wasn't a lot of memorable
2: plays that I, that I saw him make. And some, right, some so of that too one was practice. position. You know, like they, they they had the field split up in halves, and it just you know depending mm-hmm. on how they were running it. And I didn't, I wasn't really looking for him either, but. That being said, he wasn't in the groups that I was watching, you yeah. know what I mean? And, and I was watching the ones and, and twos, so yep. take that for what it's worth. Here's the thing. At this point, if he's not contributing in practice, I'm not saying he is or isn't, but then he's, not, you know, then we're not really missing anything. You know, he's not good enough to do it. So, like, that's how I feel this year. Last year it was kind of more yeah. important to me this year. If he's still not contributing, then, you know, whatever, it's time to move on. But you're, you're totally – Alex Davis – Coming off, he looks great. He seems more comfortable. You know, we'd all like to think that could be the guy that you know we weren't counting on. You know, we're all looking for our Divino Zigbo, right? Like that's that's this is that could be Alex Davis this year. That'd be great, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but Ferguson, Ferguson, he's a thumper man. He comes in, and he hits. He's a he's a perfect mm-hmm. complement to Barry. I mean, he's just like a Barry on the outside. Um, yeah, so he yeah. F- physically looks at way. He looks like Barry almost, yeah.
0: you know. Um, he's definitely not the, the tall, long outside linebacker by any means. And neither is is Doman, but Doman is absolutely – they made the absolute right move by moving him up to outside linebacker. That's where we need him right now, I think. And that's also where I think he's at his best. You know, he's not a perfect size uh, – you know, if, if we're looking for 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six outside linebackers, that's what not what Doman is, but Doman is a playmaker out there. But Luke Gifford I thought was very productive at that position last year and I see Doman so many similarities between doman and Gifford and and actually for what it's worth I've, I've heard nothing but good things about Gifford and, and some potential mm. draft you know maybe even getting drafted I can see Doman you know working his way into that position he
2: looks healthy he looked very healthy out there. And, and he's, he's got that playmaker gene, you know. Uh, he's just he's just one of those guys who seems to be around the ball when good things happen. And the more we can get something out of the guy like that, the better. I mean, Doman can thump. He can hit. And as we saw last year, you know,
0: in, in a couple of those games, Ohio State. I mean, the, the guy he can make a sack. He can he yeah. can make a big play. And I I mean I I personally I think Doman, geez Ferguson's playing so well too. But Doman, I don't know. Th- between between those three guys, you've got three dudes that are going to
2: get a lot of snaps. Yeah, I mean. Truth is we need like six. So I mean whoever they yell at, they'll all get plenty of snaps.
0: Yeah. And maybe and maybe Tanner plays God the, willing. maybe Tanner plays in the spring game too. I don't know. We didn't just didn't get to see him.
2: Yeah. No, that's a good point. Mac,
3: I, I do like that that playmaker gene idea. Yeah. It that seems like that's <laughs> something that's very true. Uh all right, let's move on the uh on the inside. Uh inside linebacker.
0: Obviously we talked about Barry and Barry is obviously the guy who's gonna be a stud. Um Will Hanus. He's the guy that made that physical gain from a year ago to now and him being injured after only 4 games last last year being able to retain that red shirt so that he's only a junior is going to be the best thing for him in the long run. His arms look like a division 1 player now and that was something that we thought a year ago when we saw him as a JUCO. You know, you just sometimes take it for granted that a JUCO is going to come in and he's just already going to look the part, be the have the physique. There it is, physique again. But but he, <laughs> but, but he didn't a year ready ago. Ready drink? Yeah. Every time Honky says physique, take a drink, guys. Um, but he didn't have the he didn't have it last year, and he has it now. He came out there to I me. Mean, his arms look like yeah. he, he's ready to go there. And so between him and you know Colin Miller looked very solid out there. Colin Miller looks like a Big Ten inside linebacker. Yeah, I mean you know get, try running on him, you know and. Bear, but Barry's the leader. He's the leader of that bunch. There are some young guys in there, Joey Johnson. Uh, he's a little
2: taller than I thought in person. He, I feel like he's going to have to – I feel like Joey Johnson's going to have to play a role this year, especially, you know, like you hear Hendrick's got – Or special, you know, a sold, yeah, special teams yeah. at
0: least, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we didn't get to see Henrik Chris Cassidy is out there, that's a kid that I've, I've – Paid attention so, to uh,
3: Henrik. You didn't see Henrik because nah, he was it sounds like he hurt up. his shoulders. Yeah, he was sitting it out.
0: We'll see on Saturday with the spring game if that's changed or not. But uh, at least last last Friday that was that was the case. So
3: all right, uh, move on to the secondary.
0: Boodle, he's my star of the secondary. I yeah, I just re- I think he's a secondary. I think he's uh, I have my star of the secondary. Okay, cool. I'm, well, I I I think he's a great cover corner. He's physical and. We brought up kind of the one thing earlier where he got into Mo Berry's face even a little bit, and you can see leadership qualities there. Like we talked about Lamar leadership-wise potential, and he, he may have it. Right. Boodle, I think, is the leader of that secondary. I think he's the, the leader of those corners. I think he's the guy that he is not afraid to talk to anybody. And if someone's not giving the right effort or just whatever it is, he'll be the guy to do it there. And, and he has the experience now to, to, to boot
2: with his it. his body. No one talked about his arm. His arms have gotten huge. You yeah. talk about this is a, this is a satellite camp skinny kid that nobody offered ran a fast forty, and we brought him in here, and he's been what a, a two year starter now, and I'm telling you when you guys see him in person or or just on the field next year, he looks good. He like his size might have been an issue last year. It's not going to be a problem this year. I think he'll be big enough to play as physical as he wants to. So I think you're right about Boodle. I think he's a good pick. Now, I know who your star of the secondary is going to be, Mac, but I'll let you... I'll say Deontay Williams. Yes. I really like him. I like watching the drills where, like you were talking about, where they had to miss. It looks like it physically pains him (laughs) to not make contact. Yep. Like, every time he lets somebody (laughs) go, he just dies a little on the inside. (laughs) I mean, I love how much this kid wants to hit, so. Yeah. And, And and he, too, Dave, has got a playmaker gene in him. They, he was very sparingly used last year, but when he came in, he made impacts. So that's a guy I'd like to see more we, we talked about him at the end of that Michigan game. Almost nothing more could have gone
0: wrong in any one game than the Michigan game last year. And yet, towards the end of it, when Deontay gets on the field, who's the guy? You know, We're down by 40 points or whatever, and he's diving in the end zone to make that interception on one of the only plays he played that whole game, but... The effort he was giving right. at a, at a time in the game when it really truly meant nothing from a score standpoint. We've talked about that from recruiting, like coaches that are recruiting players. It's not about watching huddle f- highlight films. It's sometimes it's about watching how does a kid do when you're down thirty points and the game's out of hand. That's what Deontre yeah. Deontay Williams did, where he he was playing his guts out when the game really wasn't on the
2: line. He's the guy where. If the light bulb goes on, the physical ability is without question there, mm-hmm. you know. And hopefully, we've got a defensive staff and a defensive scheme that allows playmakers like that and players like that to get on the field without too much time wasted. So he looks physically ready, um, seemingly mentally ready. I, I do think that safety position uh, just just based on you know things I've heard the coaches say, but for some reason that secondary position everybody's up for grabs. But I do think there's I think Boodle and and I think um, I think Deontay Williams are pretty safe bets for me so far. Yeah, and then Dismuke was out there and, and we have we have a soft spot for Dismuke. I like Dismuke. Like I haven't ruled Dismuke yeah. out. Yeah. He's. I mean, I just don't see any freshmen coming in and out and being a, a physical enough presence to take over for him. I mean, he's been in the program now for four years and two years with Duvall. He's like six two. Hmm. He's gonna be two fifteen. I mean. Noel Pulleda Gates is kind of undersized. You know, Farmer is going to come in, and there's just no way. I just don't see it. Eric Lee put on some weight, and and I don't know. I don't
0: know if it's a nickel kind of thing, but there were times where he was moved up. It almost looked like he was a linebacker in certain situations, but I think that was like a nickel back kind of kind of role is my Mm. my guess. You know, because he was literally lined up there, kind of next to Mo Berry on a couple of situations, but. Braxton Clark, the dude yeah. is tall. Well,
2: plus, we still have Cam oh, so
0: Jones. So tall, Cam, Cam Taylor, Taylor, Cam Jones. I mean, there's CJ Smith. I mean,
3: like, so you feel like? Do you feel like the secondary? I mean, of these three, three different you know, kind of you know positions: line, linebacker, secondary. What, what, the depth? Do you
2: think secondary might have the most? depth? I'll say
0: line still has the best depth.
2: Yeah, um, and, and secondary and play play time depth too. They probably have the most, the best. Yeah. Yeah. But certainly, then I'd jump secondary. I would easily. And I would say just I, the secondary in the hole. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there's six linebackers between Davis, Ferguson, Ferguson, and Doman, Miller, Hannes, and and, and Barry. You have those six backers that are interchangeable. And then the, the DBs, you've got probably about six right now. Mm-hmm. and I, but, but there's more potential of more DBs coming in uh where right. the linebacking yeah. crew i mean the guys that were already there yeah. need need okay. to get need to get better the guys that weren't part of that six i just said so and as far as Boomer, I, I bet you probably are interested in some special teams. And
3: Yeah, Boomer, you got any questions for these guys? I'm sure they spent lots of time checking out the, the punters and the kickers well, and yeah, the long snappers. I, I was going to ask, Honky, uh, what can you
1: tell us about the physique of our kicking staff this year? So see if uh, – <laughs> Actually, which, we, we could I
2: could tell that. you. Uh, Lightborn's <laughs> been working out. Yep. <laughs> Don't rule That's him good. out just yet. My man was kicking it from hat from sideline to sideline, and I'm talking rainbows. I mean, that's a 50 yard kick. He could be an yards. inside linebacker, too.
0: Lightborn, just physically, he's a big dude.
2: He was always a big punter. Always a very yeah. big punter.
0: Yeah, I was just really impressed, just physique He's taller. <laughs> physique wise, I was, I was impressed. He's but, yeah. taller, he's taller <laughs> the than Gallery. He could kill by point one point. inch. That's he what I wanted be. to hear. <laughs> now, Armstrong, Armstrong, I mean, what we saw of him towards the second half of the season, that dude was clutch. And that was a guy that, you know, he could kick the ball within the 20 yard line, within the 10 yard line. That's the thing that I can't sit here and say I paid any attention to last week, so I have no idea.
2: But I don't uh, remember a single field goal. I know they practiced kickoffs; it seemed like they went okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will say that uh, Cam Taylor, yeah, Cam Taylor was returning kicks along with Miles Jones and mm-hmm. somebody else. I can't. The Cam Taylor kind of threw me off. That was the only one that was kind of strange. Yeah.
3: Well, you definitely want to see market improvement on the return game. Yeah. So we'll, we'll be interesting to see how that, mm-hmm. that develops. All right. All right. Anything else guys? This is, uh, we, we covered the, the practice in depth. Now we only have a few other segments to, to go. Into.
0: <laughs> well, we, we, we can talk a little Frost and Duvall here and, and just kind of what they yeah. Talk. Let,
3: let's, let's do that. And then uh, we'll see where we're at time. All
0: off. right. Well, you know, Frost really focused on building a program and talking about building a high school program. And from a bullet point standpoint, he talked about strength and conditioning, building a team and a culture, and establishing toughness. And we've said it before, say a thousand times again, this staff, Frost, is the perfect blend of old school and new school in everything they do. Whether it's from a practice standpoint of, hey, we're going to be high tempo and – and be very smart with how we practice and use science and how we practice, but we're also going to do some old school stuff and bring guys down to the ground. We're going to, you know, from the music they play, we're going to have Dr. Feelgood one moment, and the next thing it's going to be, you know, someone new like Nelly. Or... <laughs> I I know nothing about hip-hop from what today. One of those but... <laughs> fresh
3: hip-hop artists. Who's this guy
2: Usher? Like Nelly. <laughs> <keep talking> about.
0: <laughs> I I know nothing of today's hip-hop, but, like, it would go from, like, Something from today to Dr. Feelgood and then Kenny Chesney. It was just this perfect blend yeah. of stuff. But Frost really, strength and conditioning, I, I it was his first bullet point. And Duvall and Frost use the same verbiage when they talk about the confidence that is gained out of getting stronger. It, it, it just permeates the entire team. These dudes feel like they're freaking Superman because they look like Superman. It affects everything they do.
2: It makes you act tougher because you feel yeah. tougher,
0: yeah when you know you 're the strongest guy on the field, and I think that was something Duval talked about when you know you 're the strongest guy on the field, you walk around that way, and don 't tell me that Wistrom and the Peters and the Wis- you know and the Uyghurs and those guys they knew it you know when, when you 're playing miami in ninety four and Miami and Warren sapp, unbelievable talented athletes, but they 're on the ground in the fourth quarter on a knee, and these guys are standing up and their their hands are on their hips. They knew they were tougher than you, this team is starting to 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 get that way i wouldn't I'm not saying they're there, but they're getting that way. Frost' talking about strength and conditioning again, he talks about nebraska the Nebraska I know is the best strength and conditioning program in the country. He says is the best strength and conditioning coach in the country, and he goes that your strength and conditioning coach must be on the same wavelength as a height as the head coach, so he's talking that to to all these coaches out there is that you know whatever you're doing strength and conditioning wise it has to be that you've got to be on the same wavelength with each other. Duvall specifically said, if you could take every high school kid on your team over the course of a summer, if you can gain five pounds of lean muscle on them, you will have a completely different team come fall. And he goes, you know, at, at Nebraska here, we have different resources. We have additional, you know, all, the, all the, the gadgets and everything. You know, we're not trying to gain five pounds. We're trying to gain 11, 12, 11 to 12 pounds per man of lean muscle. But, you know, he's telling a high school team, if you can gain five pounds of muscle per man, you're going to be a completely different team. I can't overstress how much they talk about strength and conditioning. It is just just—it's at the core of everything
2: that they believe. You know, a couple cool things that have come back with Frost is it seems as though, you know, things that Nebraska has always hung its hat on has been our strength and conditioning and kind of our offensive line play has been another way. But areas of toughness, areas of like, you know, like, Men on men kind of stuff, and I feel like we've got guys here right now greg austin is is just you know thought of so highly in this staff, and then Zach Duval I mean Frost brings him up all the time you know if we can get to that point where you know we're growing these guys to be as big as these other guys we, we we're going to be taller in Wisconsin by about two inches by a man by the time <laughs> it's all said and done, and just as big. wow,
0: and that toughness too it, that starts to to work its way off the the field. It's part of the culture you grow. And Frost gave a couple stories, and he talked about, from like a kind of a military standpoint, some of the things they've learned from leadership is that, you know, when you want kind of the old-school mentality of, of football is, hey, one guy screwed up, and then you make the whole team run, right? Because, you know, we all screwed up. And Frost is like, you know, sometimes you, you go after the leader, actually. And he would bring up Mariota at Oregon. And sometimes, you know, if the offense screwed up, I'm going to make the, the quarterback pay. I'm going to make the big star athlete pay. And he's going to have to do some kind of punishment, and the team is going to watch their leader run this punishment. Not the team. The leader is going to because the leader didn't do his job, right? And the team's Mm -hmm. response to that is so much better at times than if you made the whole team do it. And now, as a side note, he'd also say, sometimes I'd have a conversation with, with Mariota before practice or before a, a film session, you know, and we would work the scenario out. So you you create your own chaos. You create scenarios where there's opportunities for team building. And so, you know, it wasn't just I'm picking on Mariota. It's actually he knows he's in on the gag and but we're going to make the whole team feel like that they screwed up and their leader's paying the price for them screwing yeah. up. That's, it's a, it's and they a, it's, let down the leader. They let him down, and it's it, that's a that's a mentality thing there. He gave a great story about Osborne watching film back in the 90s. And, Dave, you'll get a kick out of this. Osborne's watching film with the team, stops it, and, he's, and he tells the team, he goes, take out a piece of paper, and who do you want to switch places with? And so people are writing down, you know, all kinds of stuff, you know, who Hugh Hefner and, you know, all all these, that's who I want to, you know, switch places with, right? You know, and then they go back and they watch film. And then he stops it again and then he goes, well, who do you admire? And people are like, you know, my dad, my preacher, you know, all these, all these, you know, great people. And then they go back and they watch some film. And then he stops it again and he goes, Osborne asks him, he goes, why isn't the same person that you admire the same person that you want to switch places with? What are you trying to be in, you know, in life? Are you trying to be like the person you admire, or, or, or what is it that you admire about this person you want to switch places with? And it has nothing to do with football, right? I mean, this is such an Osborne right. kind of mind trick with the team and getting the team to, the culture to change and everything. But it had nothing to do with football. It had nothing to do with the, the film that they were watching. But it's just getting guys to think that way. And, you know, th- there's other stats here. And I, I you know, I, I feel like I have to talk about it. I mean, Osborne talks about teammates all the time, but. You know, the, the amount of kids that grow up in a house with a father versus no father. If you grew up in a house with a father, you are four times less likely to commit suicide. You have a 40% better graduation rate in high school. You're three times more likely to get a college diploma. These are the things that, that, that Frost is talking about at a coach's clinic. And I guess that is, that's at the core of this guy's beliefs. He, he It's worth him spending an hour talking to, to us coaches sitting out there. And I'm telling you, I've been to so many of these other ones where where the head coach gives you 10 minutes of time, and this guy is given an hour of time and doing Q and As at the end of it. And these are the kind of things that he's talking about. It, it 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 goes deeper than just a practice schedule, which is revolutionary the way that they do their practice schedules too. Everything's about optimizing the the performance once you get to the to game day. Mm-hmm. They switch up a little bit how they do their practices so that they that the the guys are at their at their peak on Saturday when kickoff comes, but the point is, these are the things that, that they're at the core of everything they teach. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I just, it's again, I just walk away completely impressed with this staff across the board.
3: All right. Great stuff, guys. Great stuff. Mac, you want any, anything else? Uh, it's not like uh, Honky hasn't just cornered the
2: market here on this conversation. <laughs> he covered it. That was my recovery day uh, when he was taking those notes. So I'll let him take the lead. But
0: that was the, yeah. That was the Duvall stuff, and, and 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 actually, I went. I lifted right after on Saturday. Okay, well, you you did, did really
2: good. I know.
0: <laughs> but but we've been doing squats for Mac and I have been doing squats for the last nine months, and Duvall is so god. The guy's so good too, and. He's he's like I don't care what squats you do. Front, he goes front squats are fine, back squats. He you know he doesn't have any issue with any kind of squats. But he was showing a few things how you know don't don't keep your head up, don't keep your you know uh, your elbows up and everything. Actually, you want to you want to keep like a flat back. And I was like you know I've I've been doing the old school way. Like everyone used to say, keep your head up. And you he shows c- shows a couple of photos and your back is arched. And he's like that's not good. You want to have where you have a flat back. So I went and I lifted did squats right afterwards and. I was keeping a flat back, and it totally changed the lift. It's crazy. It's like it was like two inches difference, but like just the difference in that, like the lift was different. It felt better. And so,
3: what you're telling me is
2: he knows what he's it's doing. It's like
0: this guy's. I'm you know, saying should get paid if, to do
2: this. If you're a Nebraska football coach, a high school football coach, you guys should be in these guys' back pockets trying to get. Oh my Because they are so willing and open to share this stuff with anybody. It's ridiculous. Well, okay. I'll
0: give you what he Duval gave like 10 principles of lifting, but one of them, I'll just give you one, be ground, <laughs> yeah, be ground-based. Everything should be ground-based. There should be foot, football moves out of it. So as an example, a squad is ground-based, right? But then he talked about, about bench press and he goes, what the hell position are you in? If you're bench pressing in a football game, you're on your back. So why would you do that? So he had Mike Arthur there, who's been there for, you know, he's one of the godfathers of of Husker Power, him and and Boyd Epley. And Mike Arthur was sitting in the back of the room as he was talking about it. And he goes, Epley and and Arthur, 20, 25 years ago, they kind of took the bench press and they said, this isn't a football move. And they kind of flipped it and, and turned it inverted. And that's where you see the jammer, which is, you know, I'm, I'm, this is a great podcast because I'm showing Boomer and Dave this. But, but it's where you're standing. You're pushing forward with yeah, your arms. Yeah, you're pushing arms, forward. You're, you're doing a bench press, but you're standing up because you want it to be ground-based. It's a ground-based lift doing what a bench press is. And it's little things like that. And they basically, Arthur and, and Epley, kind of patented that, that move essentially. But it's, it's doing things like that that everything they do is geared towards football. We're not going to lift. That the, a play is six seconds long, and your rest is thirty seconds between plays. Don't don't have a twenty second lift then, and don't take a two yeah, minutes off.
3: No, that makes total sense. I mean, w- when you explain it, you're like, "Well, that makes total sense." Why doesn't everybody do that? Why haven't we been doing that for the last two decades? But um, yeah, I'm, I'm just glad we're
2: doing it now. Yep. Right.
1: Hey, Matt, can uh, you describe Honky's physique after his workout? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Old and tired. <laughs> we are in our 40s, Michael. We don't discuss these things on the air. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, great stuff, guys. Well, that is a great recap of the coaches' Clinic. Glad we could do it again. Hopefully, we can do it for many years to come. All right, fellas. Well, we probably wanted to cover a few other things. Basketball. Fred Hoiberg and his staff busy out there on the recruiting trail, doing a great job bringing back uh, some of the guys that are already been committed and trying to bring uh, more guys in for actually the spring football game, which is kind of interesting. But um, I'm sure hopefully here in the next few weeks, maybe we'll have some more news that we can actually report on and his staff will be uh, kind of rounded out. Baseball team, uh, very successful Big Ten weekend last weekend, uh, taking care of Purdue. Massive offensive uh, onslaught there. Uh, 17 runs, 13 runs, 9 runs. It uh, looks really good. They did not keep that up this uh, midweek game versus Creighton, which is unfortunate, but that does happen occasionally. Hopefully they can turn it around and keep the Big Ten win streak happening in uh, Happy Valley, I believe. Right, Boomer? They're at Penn State this weekend. So uh quick recap there. I'm sure we'll have lots more time in a future podcast to dive deep into uh, Nebraska ball. And uh, baseball, but let's uh, let's just get out of here, guys. Hey, I think that was a great coaches clinic show, and uh, let's do some parting shots, honky.
0: I'll just simply say, love this staff. They did nothing but you know live up to all the expectations I had going into that week, and they are they're out there for all the coaches to to learn from. So so use those guys as resources to all those coaches in the area, and great group of guys leading this program.
3: Mac, what
2: do you got? Uh, just a big shout-out to the Husker Nation selling out another spring game, always putting on a good show for the recruits that weekend, and just the nation in general. This is why this place is special.
3: Weather's holding out uh, okay as well, right? It's not
2: great. Not great, but, but like, 50s ain't going to stop anybody, you know? Nope. I hear you there. Boomer.
1: Well, first off, just want to apologize for all the fans that, you know, this uh, breakdown kind of went a little longer than the average
3: final minute of an NCAA
1: championship game. So with all (laughs) my reviews there, but that's okay. And I just want to give another shout out to Bill Moose for a big hire, uh, really going back, digging deep, uh, getting Rachel Martin as the uh, new Husker uh, women's rifle coach. So she's a former... uh, graduate of nebraska so and i heard bill moose is looking to get more involved with the women's rifle team as well so looking to keep the championship going there boomer was that's right he, that's was right. he
0: at the uh, the big 12 t- or big 10 championship you know series for the rifle was he
1: i i'm not sure i i believe he's got a suite oh, so okay i think his son was yeah, a little more hands off out east doesn't
3: want to be visible yeah hmm. that's very true yeah, so it's a fine line, you really have to be there as an AD, you know. You want to be there for your team, but not in front of a gun. You know? <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, they they might introduce beer sales at the rifle meets, so
1: add a little element of zest to it, I think. So
3: uh, alright guys, great stuff. I really enjoyed it. A lot of fun. Hopefully our listeners enjoy uh, this show. For now, let's call that a go big red cast. Enjoy the spring game.
2: Go big red. GBR.